Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. As Warren Buffett says, be greedy while others are fearful and be fearful while others are greedy. So if you were on the sidelines in 2020, 2021, early part of 2022 when everyone was buying, now's the time to jump into the market and really take advantage and create those relationships and buy some properties for a solid discount. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm here with Jason Lee. Jason is based out of San Diego, California. He is president and full-time multifamily broker at JLM Real Estate Incorporated, a commercial real estate team focusing on multifamily sales and 1031 exchanges in San Diego County. In his own investment portfolio, he has 120 units worth $50 million in assets under management. Jason, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. So, more of my background, like most people, I didn't plan on real estate being my full-time career and really diving all into it. I was going down a dark path that my parents wanted me to go down. I was at San Diego State University going down the pre-med route because they wanted me to be a doctor. And basically two and a half years in, I kind of had a breaking point where I was too miserable and I just had to find something new. So I networked with 
everyone that I could at my school and my current friend base. And I saw that a lot of their wealthy parents, the wealthy kids, they came from real estate. So I thought there had to be something in this arena. So that's how I got my start into real estate. I was kind of just in a really rock bottom spot in my life and wanted to find something new. And it worked out really well for me. When did you start in real estate and what did you start with? I started in real estate when I was 21 years old, got my license in 2018, had less than 500 bucks in my bank account at Chase Bank and decided it'd be a great idea to intern at a commercial real estate firm that pays no base salary, no hourly wage. And it takes anywhere from six to 12 months to close your first deal. So that was a tough learning year for me. But like most people, the first year in real estate's insanely hard. So that's when I got started. And then now fast forward almost five years later, here we are today with almost 250 million in multifamily sales and then a decent sized portfolio. The portfolio that you have acquired, have you done that with partners? I had one partner. We did not raise any outside capital. It mostly came from buying duplexes and fourplexes at a really good value and doing a 1031 tax deferred exchange into bigger assets. So it all came from me and my partner's 50-50 capital. We saved up from commissions and he runs a hard money fund. So his business and kind of combined it and grew it from there. So no other outside partners. Nice. And that's scaled to 120 doors and 50 million in asset value in four or five years. Yeah. The portfolio started, it's been about three years since we started buying. So yeah, three years. Gotcha. I'm reading between the lines here a bit, Jason, but it sounds like there was significant appreciation while you owned at least those first smaller assets during your ownership. Were you buying distressed assets? What is it that allowed you to 1031 so quickly through properties? Yeah, my role, what I'm really good at is I'm good on the phones. I'm good at finding deals. I'm talking to owners all day long, seeing they're looking to buy, seeing they're looking to sell. They're looking to list their properties. There's that small one to 2% of the time where there's not a lot of distress overall in San Diego because properties here overall do very well and they do very well even in the worst of times. But there are some situations like, for example, I bought a fourplex from a meth dealer slash pedophile who had a bunch of code violations in the property. We bought that property for a million one and the market value was 1.6 million. I sold that property for 2 million after doing rehabs, ended up doing a 1031 exchange into a 11 unit property by the beach. So finding those properties 1% of the time where there's some sort of crazy story or insane motivation or big family issue, that's when you really find the good opportunities. And we just capitalized on the ones that I came across. That's awesome. I'm an apartment owner operator in Cincinnati, Ohio, who has built a smaller portfolio, but doing similar things significantly lower valuations than you see in San Diego County. When you say that you spend all day on the phones, I'm curious, how much time dialing is that in a week? If you're a real estate agent or broker who's looking to get into real estate, this might help you a lot. Something I learned from my broker mentor, my old firm is you want to get at least 25 contacts a day. So it's either 25 yeses or 25 noes. Usually it's 25 noes. So you want to talk to 25 breathing people on the phone each day, 125 people a week. If you want to get ahead of the competition and really get your business going. And that takes usually about five to six hours of hard dialing to get there. 
as my business has grown and as I've hired agents on my team, my day consists more of meeting with clients, meeting with people like yourself, trying to grow the brand. But when I was first starting, I was hitting the phones for probably eight to nine hours a day. That's a lot for sure. Sounds like it's panning out though. What other advice do you have for people who are looking to get into real estate through sales or brokering deals? The biggest advice I can give is there's a lot of brokers that hire people who are just going to get started and they give them no guidance, no trading. They just tell them to get on the phones and find me leads. And that's why there's a lot of brokers who fail, who just get started in the business. The most important thing for you to have a chance to succeed, because it's a very cutthroat business, it's very tough to break in in commercial real estate sales, is you have to have someone who's willing to mentor you, willing to show you the way, who will put time into you. I got lucky because I had a broker who trained me, went to meetings with me, cared about my success when he saw that I was hustling and cared about the business. So I think the most important thing is having a good partner on your side that can show you the way who's been doing it for at least five to 10 years minimum successfully in the business. Find a solid mentor who can teach you what you need to know. Spend the majority of your working time when you get started getting in front of owners, getting those yeses and nos. What else? I would say the biggest thing besides that is being organized. I think whether you're a real estate investor or a broker, you have to really stay organized. You have to use a CRM that works for you, that you like. I've tried a lot of different CRMs, but prospectnow.com is my favorite because all the properties are on there that you need. Every city, you can classify it by asset type. You can make tasks for follow-ups. You can make notes super easy in the platform. So whether you're an investor, broker, lender, whatever it is, I think having a good CRM so you can follow up with brokers or property owners regularly is absolutely crucial to success in the business because the money truly is in the follow-up. Jason, with as short as your run-up has been, have you lost money on any deals yet? It's a great question. I haven't lost money, but I've made really dumb mistakes where my costs have been a lot higher. I've never sold a property lower than the cost that I bought it at with the purchase price and the cost to renovate, holding costs, all that stuff. But the second property I bought, it was a four unit in National City here in San Diego. And I got a referral for a contractor from one of my clients or kind of my client, but anyways, an investor in the area who's well known. And I think he basically gave me his worst contractor because Number one, he wasn't licensed. Number two, never got back to me. And number three, he stole money from me. When I was two months into the rehab, I'd given him a good chunk of money. I didn't really understand construction that well yet. So I didn't understand that there were certain progress points a contractor had to make in order to give him their next check, their next payment. And I'd probably given him half the amount of the contract and he'd only done 10 to 20% of the work. The mistake I made is I wasn't checking on the rehab enough. I was on top of him calling him at least three or four times a week, but he was lying to me directly. And basically when I stopped giving him money because he had to finish certain parts of the rehab, he basically just ghosted me and took the money and ran. Uh, I probably lost a total of $80,000 to that guy. So that was probably the biggest mistake I've made in my real estate investing career and something that the audience can take away from that mistake so that, that never happens to you is to make sure you have at least two or three trusted referrals when you work with a new contractor. Make sure you walk some of their projects that they have going on. I didn't walk any of his projects. I didn't ask about them. 
another huge mistake that I made. And then third, just make sure that the contractor has his license. I was trying to go the cheap route and unlicensed contractors are always the cheaper route, but that bit me in the butt really quickly. And those three mistakes led me to losing almost six figures on a renovation project that should have been way less. Jason, how many renovation projects have you had thus far? We have done a little over 25 projects so far. Your market and my market, Cincinnati, Ohio, are polar opposites in a lot of ways, including the weather. I imagine that means that our relationship with the contractors have to be different. I want to make some assumptions, again, coming from my Midwest brain here, where we have high cash flow, very low property values and low rents, where we have to do a lot to protect our capital when working with contractors, because I am imagining that the amount that we pay our contractors is greater in proportion to the value that their work adds to the property. So when it comes to picking the right contractor, Jason, California and Ohio are different as well. What are the three most important things to you? It sounds like one of them is that they are licensed. Yep, definitely. One point is they're licensed. Second most important point is I want to walk at least two or three of their current projects and see how that's going. And I want to talk to the owners of the projects that I walk to make sure that he or she is doing the project in a timely manner. They're not having any major issues or hurdles. There's no crazy amount of change orders for ridiculous items. And I'd say number three is when you look for a good contractor, it's very important to make sure that everything's in writing. Another big mistake I didn't mention is I didn't have every single line item clear and every cost clear. I think like the deal I had with him, barely anything was on paper where I lost a lot of money from the rehab. So now I have every single SKU number, every single cost lined out for the kitchen, bathroom, flooring, stucco, windows, all that stuff. Because we do a complete renovation. They're massive projects. We replace the roof, electrical, plumbing. So we're buying properties at a discount for a reason. They need a lot of TLC. So I would say be overly cautious when you put things in writing. Even if you think you're overdoing it, I really think that you're better off overdoing it than not doing it enough because that's where a contractor will try to screw you. There was one example that I can give where I didn't put the exact bridges and laundry machines and appliances to put in the units. And because I didn't do that and it wasn't the contract, the contractor wanted to save as much money as he could and he put the cheapest used, disgusting fridges and laundry machines in the units. And it ruined the entire project because the unit looked horrible. And he basically said, we didn't have it in our contract, so I didn't know any better. So that's just a good example of why you should always have everything in writing. Absolutely. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 12th through the 14th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from over 60 high-level apartment investors while networking with more than 700 additional investors. If that's not enough for you, A-Rod, yep, Alex Rodriguez, 12-time Major League Baseball All-Star with over $700 million of commercial real estate assets, will be live and in person speaking at the event. Also speaking is the one and only Dr. Robert 
Cialdini, the godfather of influence and the award-winning author. I personally love his books. So be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event before they're gone. Go to MFINCon.com for more details. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Visit MFINCON.com today. Use the promo code BESTEVER to get $200 off your tickets. That's MFINCON.com. Let's do a bit of a market comparison here. I am envisioning a one or two bedroom apartment under a thousand square feet. When you need to turn one of those apartments, obviously we're talking about more than just paint and flooring. Maybe you're redoing the kitchen, possibly taking out a wall and opening up a dated floor plan, something like that. What does your budget range look like for renovations like that? And when you're done, what's the rent going to look like? For a one-bedroom in a good location, I'd say Class B location in San Diego, not by the beach, more mid-city. A one-bedroom with the finishes we use will cost anywhere from twenty to 25000 to do the full interior rehab. And the rents you can expect on that are anywhere from 2000 to 2300 And for a two-bedroom, you can expect the cost to be anywhere from thirty dollars to $35,000 usually, depending on the size of the units. But those units will rent from anywhere from 2600 to 3000 depending on the size and the area. So yeah, those are some basic numbers for you. If you decided not to renovate, and when you acquired the property, you acquired the apartment, it was in rentable condition, what would the rent have been? I guess the real question here is, if you're spending twenty twenty five or thirty thirty five thousand dollars to achieve a solid market rent, how much has your rent actually increased resulting from that twenty to thirty five thousand dollars expense? Same markets. If I were to just do the bare minimum paint, flooring, touch up, and spend three to five grand on it, there would probably be anywhere from a six hundred to seven hundred dollar delta on the unrenovated units versus the renovated. Plus, in this market in San Diego, it's a lot easier to rent renovated units, even though it's at a higher price. People here like to have a high quality of living, especially in the submarkets we look in. So it really helps a lot. Plus, our cap rates are a lot lower than most locations. So having that extra six to $800 bump in rents a month, you take that across 20 units and you've created millions and millions of dollars worth of value, whether if you didn't spend that money on the rehab. So we look at it from a cash flow perspective and an equity perspective as well when we're doing our renovations. That makes a lot of sense. Do you self-manage? We do not. With the amount of time I take to help my clients and being on the phones, training my agents, asset managing our rehabs and all that stuff and our properties, taxes, it'd be impossible to self-manage. We've got two or three really good managers that we partner with around the county. And without them, it'd be a tough life. So very blessed to have great third-party managers on our team. Last question, and then I'll give some input from Cincinnati, and we'll transition the conversation. How much do you pay for property management? Property management right now, it's anywhere from 4 to 6% of the gross income per year, rents collected. So if we collect 100K that year in rents, we can expect paying that manager anywhere from 4 to 6 grand a year. And then on top of that, they do have some leasing fees. They charge us 350 to 400 dollars per unit filled. So those are really the only main costs that we have in our management agreements. That's interesting. I'll start there for the sake of our listeners in this comparison. You're not getting property management in Cincinnati for under eight to 10% plus fees. 
in part because our rents are so much lower by comparison to call it average income and cost of living property managers. 4% of 750 a month is very different from 4% of 3,500 a month. Frankly, though, it doesn't sound like our rehab numbers are all that far off. I know recently when we have take out a wall, open up a 40-year-old floor plan, brand new LVP, new cabinets that are not special, but that are ordered from a cabinet supply company, standard shaker cabinets, decent countertops, stainless steel appliances that are not special. We are running lower numbers, but it sounds like, frankly, labor is not that much more expensive in San Diego than it is in Cincinnati based on the numbers, although the rent rates that you're able to increase to are much more substantial. It's an interesting point of comparison. Maybe I need to be investing in San Diego. Jason, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, sir. Let's do it. What is the best ever book that you recently read? Best ever book I recently read is What It Takes by Stephen A. Schwarzman, the founder of Blackstone. Really cool read on his story and what it takes to build a massive company. Yeah, I read that one recently too. It's solid. What is your best ever way to give back? Ooh, honestly, probably the biggest way I've given back so far is to my family. My mom struggled through jobs growing up. I really saw her struggle going from job to job, cleaned houses to get us out of financial instability, which really broke me and caused a lot of trauma. That is probably the reason why I work so hard today. And the biggest thing I did to give back to someone is probably during the holidays, giving her over six figures worth of checks to show her how appreciative I am of the way she raised me and the hard work that it took to basically get us through life. And that's probably the biggest way. Other way I want to give back is just through giving information and knowledge on platforms like this that many people never have the chance to learn. I really think the school system has failed many, many generations, mine especially. So I really think that having free knowledge and having information to this kind of stuff is amazing because someone that might never meet a real estate investor can just go on the internet now and find some more info on how to invest in real estate. So I think those two ways for sure. Outside of hiring the wrong contractors, Jason, what is the biggest mistake you've made in your real estate investing career? And what was the best ever lesson that resulted from it? I think the biggest mistakes I made in my career was caring about the commissions and the dollars over the relationships. I wish when I first started, I would have been like I am today. I cherish my relationships a lot more than I cherish my commission or the properties that I sell, whatever it is. Back then, I was kind of trying to turn and burn and make a quick buck here and there. But I've learned to realize that a much better way to live life and do business in general is to create deeper relationships and do five to 10 deals with them a year instead of trying to do five to 10 to 30, 40 deals with 40 different clients. So I think that's the biggest lesson I learned. On that note, Jason, what is your best ever advice? Best ever advice I can give to someone is if you're listening to the show and you're afraid of taking a risk, you're afraid of buying your first property, you're afraid of leaving your job to pursue a real estate career, you want to start something new, it's never going to feel right. It's always going to feel risky. And 75% of our thoughts are negative thoughts. So a lot of negative thoughts are going to flow to your brain when you decide to buy your first property or to make a change. So all I can say is, if you're listening to this, hopefully we can inspire you to start now and make a change and start investing because I think right now 
is the best time to buy real estate while a lot of people are sitting on the sidelines and being fearful. As Warren Buffett says, be greedy while others are fearful and be fearful while others are greedy. So if you were on the sidelines in 2020, 2021, early part of 2022, when everyone was buying, now's the time to jump into the market and really take advantage and create those relationships and buy some properties for a solid discount. Last question, where can people get in touch with you? Thanks for that. The best way to contact me is through either YouTube or Instagram. I reply fast on there. All my social media is Jason Joseph Lee, my full name. Or you can check out our website at JLM, as in Mary, realestateinc.com. Awesome. Those links are in the show notes. Jason, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you gain value from this conversation, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend you know we can add value to through this conversation we've had today. Thank you and have a best ever day. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so... Join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.